Hey everyone, I'm Mark Talbot from 20 Foot Radius. And I'm Derek Myers from DungeonsMaster.com. I'm Craig Sutherland, and you're listening to Recounting Encounters, a D&D Adventures League podcast. A show where we talk about D&D encounters, D&D expeditions, D&D epics, and exploits from our D&D home games. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Recounting Encounters, where tonight we are going to talk briefly about something new, which Craig's going to tell us about, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Derek and I are going to do a little bit of Gen Con talk, as well as Craig's going to add his two cents also. Maybe a little bit of Neverwinter, but at the end, what do we have normally? We have our little recap. So Derek is back with us this week. Uh, hey Craig, hey Derek. Scott is unavailable tonight, so we're just going to keep it nice and simple. Um, so I guess we pass it right over to Craig, and uh, you can give us a little the special announcement. Yes, of course. Well, if you have been paying attention to uh, the latest happenings with uh, D&D, they have announced the next storyline season, which is called Rage of Demons. Um, they've also released a whole bunch of the artwork and stuff. So uh, it looks like it's going to be launching around September. It's going to be after the Elemental Evil storyline comes to a close. Um, so the whole concept here, which is uh, it, it seems to be one of their more ambitious ones here, uh, they're leveraging the popularity of uh, of the character Dritz Dorden of the R.A. Salvatore books. And uh, basically the idea is that, and it's going to be tying in with the upcoming R.A. Salvatore novel called uh, Archmage, which, um, you know, they give a little bit of story detail, but basically um, if you're familiar with the characters there, there's an Archmage named Gromf, who's one of the drow of Menzo Berenson, and he's apparently called forth these horrible demons such as Orcus of course everyone remembers Orcus and um, Demogorgon who's also been featured in all the artwork and this, this snazzy new demonic design no longer featuring mandrel face heads um, but yeah basically these, these horrible demon lords are loosed in the Underdark so it's going to be an Underdark theme where the characters go into the Underdark to deal with this new menace raging from below so uh what that means for the tabletop game is that we're going to get a new adventure path book called Out of the Abyss, which is right now anyway, it's scheduled for a September 15th launch, which will, I assume, be the, uh, the encounter season as well for the storyline. Uh, and of course, there's, you know, with, with the, since they're multi-platform with everything now, uh, you're gonna, we're going to be getting a new uh, Neverwinter expansion called Underdark that's going to be tying into this uh, storyline. Interesting to note as well, this, is, this content is going to include the uh, MMO players going into Menzo Berenson, so very, hey, very cool. Hey, I'm pretty excited about that, and apparently, yeah. like Minsk and Boo, uh, we're going to be accompanied for the first couple of adventures with Drids himself. Indeed, He's going to ask us for our help, even though that he could probably kick any of our butts, but uh, he asks us for our help. So they've also said that the uh, upcoming Sword Coast Legends video game, which is not yet out, is going to also f- factor into the storyline. So I think that might give us a little idea of uh, the release date for that. So I imagine it's going to be in and around the fall time frame. Um, but yeah, but that, that's, that's basically it. There's going to be a new line of minis as per usual. Um, you know, all the stuff that we've had thus far, like the Gale Force 9 supplements and things. Uh, the only book that they've announced is just the Adventure Path. So uh, whether or not they have more player options, I, I assume they probably will, but I mean, they haven't actually officially announced that kind of detail yet. But anyway, that's what they have in the pipeline. Now, I have to note that uh, the community, at least the online reaction, 
has been pretty big. There's been a lot of excitement over it, of course. And of course, at the same time, there's been a lot of uh, controversy. I think a little, some people misunderstood initially what this announcement meant, and some took it to mean that Dritzt, if you know anything about Dritzt, you know he's a very powerful character uh, in, in these Ari Salvatore books, and uh, there's uh, a common thought. Some, some of the Dritzt haters out there think of him as this sort of invincible guy that the characters will just be playing second fiddle to Dritzt the way it was worded. However, Chris Perkins has come out to say that the tabletop game player characters are the stars so my assumption is that Drift is not really going to feature in the tabletop game version it's more for the video game stuff you'll make a cameo appearance but whether or not you love or hate Drift uh, everything is is tying into that underdark theme and he will certainly be associated with somehow the official artwork actually features Drift and his uh, Panther Guinevar flying at the Demogorgon so Indeed. Okay, um, with, with the new rains in Neverwinter, I hope that uh, this guy that has done, like Scott said uh, last week about STO Star Trek Online, that he's done such a fantastic job with them. So hopefully he can, you know, do it. Uh, and once again, I'm not trying to criticize Element to Evil, but hopefully he can do a little bit of better job when it comes to satisfying the the, the general populace, the the meat of Neverwinter, and uh, you know, hopefully we can we can have a little more, you know, maybe content, a little more storyline. And you know, it seems like uh, it looks very positive, and I'm so excited for the for the artwork because what they've done in this Elemental Evil is fantastic, and I can just imagine it's going to be twice as good for Mezzo Branson. Now, what do you guys think about um, about the sort of inclusion of Dritz into the? I mean, obviously they're leveraging this popular character and uh, getting a little more attention, likely this way, from people who aren't already hardcore just D and D guys, right? But what do you guys think? Do you think that's a detriment for you? Uh, having the inclusion of this character, or no? I think as long much. as, uh, to your point, as long as he is not doing the work for the PCs, um, that's fine. I mean, I, I like the idea of here's this legendary figure who obviously appears on the scene and maybe says like, "There is a lot going on. I'm only one guy. I can only do so much. This is an important piece that I can't do myself." A party of your level should be capable. Can you do it? Like, I think if it's handled that way, I got no problem with it. Yeah. And I can't imagine them handling it any differently than that. So, but anyway, that that's the basic idea. And actually, I should say, too, the studio that's producing the um, the written adventure path is Green Ronin. So, if you're familiar with any of their stuff. Yeah. Their DC Heroes game is fantastic. Yeah. And they have the City of Freeport, which just recently came out, but that's a Pathfinder based thing but anyway they're, they're i mean they're no strangers with uh definitely with d20 games too so yeah regarding the uh, re- stuff regarding neverwinter and drifts i i agree with Derek. as long as it's handled the same way as they handled elminster in the rise of tiamat i think i'll be happy with that i'm just excited to see the uh, the rendition of of drifts doing a little bit of fighting I, i'm curious to see what they do video game style and yeah. uh, i'm curious to see how they uh, how they shape Gwen- guenevar is that her name yeah yeah well, that's what I think. It's gonna be. It's it's definitely gonna be more of a cameo, right? Like, I mean, Dritz has sure. a book, right? That's gonna be his part in the story. Is gonna be the novel that you read. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's that's where he'll feature. You're, we're not playing the Archmage, the video game. We're playing different parts of the story, right? Kind of like how, uh, you know, you play in the Moon Sea when you're doing these expeditions adventures, right? Like right now, if you're playing expeditions, you're in Malmaster. You're far removed from Red Larch and the happenings of the Princes of the Apocalypse storyline. Yeah, for sure. But they're all part of the same sort of theme, so. Yeah. Anyway. 
would be nice yeah. if Salvatore goes into Neverwinter and says, you know, picks one of the characters like Grund or you know my guy. It says features him in the story, the next novel. No, well, that, that's I think just... Ari Salvatore is writing some quests, and I'm not sure if it's Neverwinter or or Sword Coast Legends. But for one of the video games, he's going to have a hand in uh, actually writing up some of the unique quests. Sway. Indeed. Sweet. Indeedly, do. Someone's getting a call. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, that's that's about it. That's all we really know about it so far. So I'm sure there'll be more information to come as we go. Cool. All right. Uh, so uh, moving from that, we've got Gen Con registration coming up on uh, Sunday the 19th. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Sunday the 19th, 12 noon. For those of us in the Eastern Time Zone, and I guess 9 a.m. if you're in the Pacific, and uh, uh, it's not the nineteenth, dude. It's seventeenth. Pardon me. Right? Pardon me. Yeah, I was going to say. That's I was going to say. That didn't sound like, right. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, sorry. I've been on vacation. You gotta, you know, give, give me a little while to sort of get <laughs> you're on, back. You're on Caribbean time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamaica time. Nice. You whatever, man. Whatever, man. Jamaican yeah. me crazy, crazy. It's funny when I was on vacation. We went to the Dominican, and the guy was like, "We're gonna do this in ten American minutes." And we're like, 10 American minutes? And he's like, as opposed to 10 Dominican minutes. And we're like, what's the difference? He goes, it's 4 o'clock. 10 American minutes? 4.10. 10 10 Dominican minutes? We'll get to it when we get to it. I'm like, okay, (laughs) good good distinction. (laughs) Nice. Okay. So anyway, back to the thing. So uh, May 17th, is that correct? May 17th? Yes. May 17th, 17th, Gen Con registration. So for everybody going to Gen Con, uh, you need to have a badge. Hopefully you all have one. If you don't buy one now, don't wait till Sunday. You need to have a badge to get the events. Or buy it last minute and you may be able to queue first for events. Who knows? That suck. <laughs> <laughs> Let's okay. not get into that. Exactly. Anyway, buy your badge ahead of time. Then, for those who have never done this before, what you want to do is uh, there's the, go to the Gen Con website. You can do the find an event. They have all, all the events are in the database. You can search for whatever you need figure out which events you want then each event has a has a game id and you can create essentially like a a wish list think of it like a shopping cart like when you buy stuff online and you just plug it all into the shopping cart and you go online the day of and there'll be a giant countdown and it'll say registration opens in you know one hour and however many minutes and seconds and it'll count down and once that 12 o'clock rolls around the countdown will hit zero and it'll say events are now open to register and you just hit process and then you cross your fingers and hope for the best. And more than likely, it'll say something ridiculous like, you are 3,082 in the lineup. Please wait patiently. And you hope like hell that by the time your turn comes up, all your events are still available. Anything that's available, you get. Anything that's not available, it flags and says, no, nope, sorry, this one's sold out. Pick something else. The good news is, if something is sold out, the ones that are still available will be held. So you do have some time you can... You know, go and look for other events. My experience, what I usually do in that case, I just pay for the stuff I've already got. You know, so that way I don't have to worry about losing it. Um, some events are certainly more popular than others. The D and D Epic will probably be one of, if not the most popular Dungeons and Dragons event happening through this Gen Con. There are two epics happening. Uh, one is on, sorry, I have it written down here. One is on the Thursday evening at eight o'clock. The other is on the Saturday evening at eight o'clock. One is the Temple of Elemental Evil storyline and the other is Rage of Demons storyline. So two separate events, 
mark them on your sheet. Good luck. It was probably the most popular event last year was the Epic. So fingers crossed for everyone who wants that. And um, yeah, we go from there. And the other thing also, if you're traveling to Gen Con, uh, if you're traveling with a few people to Gen Con, you're thinking of doing the same events, make sure that when you do register for your badge, that you also register your friends that are available. Because at that point, you can um, pick similar events and help yourselves, you know, just get a little further down in the queue by by having your friends so you can all have you know make similar selections one person buys it and everybody else reimburses you it's always a it's a yeah. good tip because you know it's, it's sometimes it's it isn't oh, not that i'm saying it's not fair but what i'm saying is you, you know you can get really screwed by the, the the counter and you know at least one person in in three or four will will get a decent place in in the counter area we hope we i hope. mean last year <laughs> i was the luckiest guy on the face of the earth when i log we so three of us on this podcast and a few other friends we had linked all our accounts together we had all our wish lists ready and when it said process it told me i was number four in the queue that i had my complete order done in under 60 seconds we all got all our events because we were all linked together it was fantastic uh we've never had it that good we'll probably never have it that good again it was a total fluke uh and on the opposite side of that karma train we really got the hose in the housing this year but hey whatever works so in any case uh yeah it's okay craig offered his hotel room so oh, okay good yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah he got a he got a room with one bed for him and his girlfriend well as you know there's gonna be six of us crashing there that's all right there's room <laughs> yeah, in the, no, I, there's room in yeah. the floor <laughs> i got quite i got quite lucky with that crazy uh setup yeah anyway not nothing we can do about it now yeah and next year so anyway coming up on sunday gen con registration don't forget and cool. next week we'll we'll cry and we'll laugh and we'll tell you what we got and we'll share our horror stories and our our great feats of awesomeness if things go well and we'll rub it in your face or yeah. or we'll be begging or we'll be begging for somebody to sell their tickets yeah, <laughs> True. yeah exactly yeah. want to be on our podcast you can yeah, scalp with your tickets <laughs> nice Cool. All right. So now uh, I guess we get to the meat of the podcast. You guys had played. Uh, what was it? The 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 tomb or whatever it was called. The the. I don't remember. I gotta pull the mod. The tomb of moving stone. Tomb of moving stone. Yes. So I know that Craig. Uh, we ended off where you were kind of like, oh well, this kind of happens. We're in this area, and all of a sudden, uh, you know what? I'll wait for Derek. And uh, we ended the podcast at that point. So you two got to talk about that, and uh, I'll let you guys at it. You want to start, Craig? Yeah, sure. So uh, basically, um, you know, up to this point, at least on this podcast, what we've been talking about, and I'm assuming most people have already gone through this if you've been playing uh, Encounter since the beginning. But uh, up to this point, you've you've, you've done a, basically what amounts to a couple of odd jobs around Red Larch. You've investigated the uh, Lance Rock possible plague. Turns out to be a necromancer's uh, lair. Uh, there's the, the haunted tomb or that haunted uh, tomb. But really, oh, well, then there is actually a ghost, so that's genuine. But there's also the the what was the half giant and a goblin, I think, uh, and then some bandit hideout. But up until that point, it's just been kind of peanuts, just kind of standard stuff. Uh, however, after uh, after you've investigated that stuff, suddenly this giant sinkhole opens up in the middle of town, and uh, you know a bunch of people fall in. And when you go down to help them out, uh, you find that. Uh, there's actually uh, just this ancient temple or something that appears to be down there. Uh, it's a dwarven make, and uh, it's it's obviously it's for the characters to 
go, hmm, let's go check this out. Because uh, one thing that they also find there is there's a couple of nondescript cloaks and uh, a water skin, I believe, by a man-made door down there. So uh, it, it's kind of this, this dungeon complex. And uh, it's it's pretty linear, I think, I would say, in the way that it um, progresses. It's kind of like you have a straight path or you can turn left and do other stuff. But uh, generally, it all kind of leads into the same spot. So now... Derek and I, we play in a game, and we also run a version of it as well. In my particular one, that the, the one that we played and the one that I've been running, the characters have taken the same path. Yeah, it was the same when I ran it. They took the same path we took when we played it. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think the way it was set was that, uh, you know, the, you, you kind of come to a crossroads where you can just keep going straight or there's two interesting looking doors and you can go either left or right because they have a, like a dwarf statue or sorry, a dwarf image carved into the doors. So the interesting doors seem like more of a, a, a lure, I think, to the players. A little bit more of a mystery. Indeed, indeed. And again, they, especially if you have any dwarfs in your, in your party, they're automatically going to know that this is... Um, an old, like especially because they have stone cutting, they're going to know this is an old ancient uh, dwarven uh, ruin, basically. So, yeah, there's going to be this interest as to what the heck's going on down be- right beneath the town here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, how many uh, did you did you actually complete it all together, Derek? Uh, yeah. As of, uh, this week? So when we played it together, uh, the DM split it into two nights, and I missed the second half because I was on vacation. But I got to play the first time, and then when I was running it, we uh, the group I was running it for, we did a slightly longer than normal session, and we got through the whole thing. No. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So you did a one night, eh? Yeah. Because yeah, for me, it was also divided into two uh, with our group. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. So I don't know how much detail you want to go into, just in terms of some spoilerific stuff. I again like I said I think probably a lot of people have already gone through this stuff, but yeah, well I don't think there's a lot of necessarily value in going through it room by room. Uh there's uh 9 9 or 10 rooms here, but uh, for me that and again, we're a little behind where I think some of the other groups are cuz we've had a few weeks where we haven't played, but for me it was a challenge as the DM to transition from those three little mini adventures at the beginning to this what is now the episode two level two uh, little mini dungeon. Um, I mean, you could, you could just run it straight up. It's like, Hey, a sinkhole appears and you go down and you have adventures. But in order for the aftermath of what is learned, hopefully what is learned during the exploration of these tunnels, it, you need to know some of the NPCs in the town and you need to have a, a little bit of understanding of maybe what their motivations are and sort of who you can trust and who you should be suspicious of. And if you haven't laid that foundation, doing this little dungeon straight up, uh, you'll lose a lot of that. So I know for my group, I actually spent uh, a week between the end of the last one and the beginning of this one where I call it more of like a transition week where I ran completely off book. I just let them explore the town and meet some of the NPCs. And I tried to get them, give them a sense of who might have something more going on than what you see on the surface so that as they learn these details, they go, wait a minute, that's the guy that we were a little suspicious of last week, or that was the very helpful person. Why are we now suspicious of that person? Um, and without that, that detail, um, I don't think they're going to get as much out of this. I mean, they'll have fun doing the exploration and fighting the monsters, but 
at the end you have what's basically like a reveal and if you don't know who any of the NPCs are the reveal is meaningless yeah um, so yeah I think for 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 my group that was the big uh, the big win the big success at the end was yeah they did all they did the you know the dungeon world part and they had a lot of fun doing that and there were certainly some parts that were more challenging than others and they made a lot of assumptions and they some of them correct and some of them way off um, and they gained some information again some things they took at face value and other things they made some wild and bold assumptions about but afterwards when they started recounting what they had discovered to some of the NPCs gauging the reaction of how those NPCs took that information some were surprised some were you know, not as surprised, more, more surprised that the PCs, you know, now had this information rather than the information itself. And I'm, I'm curious as to how that will transition as we move on to the next sections of the mod. Now, Craig, your group's a week ahead of mine, right? They've already, yes. they've done stuff since then. So how did you find, did you, did you have to do like sort of a transition from the, the end of this to the beginning yeah, for of the sure. next phase? Absolutely. I, I think, well, I mean, it wasn't as much, it wasn't as jarring as, as going into the tomb because, like you said, you have to kind of, some of the revelations that come out are like, well, you hope you laid the groundwork ahead of time because look at this shock of this person you may not have ever met before, right? Hmm. But, um, you know, if, if you've read it ahead of time, you kind of see that that's coming. So what I had been doing was uh, was trying to, like, uh, add some more social stuff in the town in the initial phase when they're doing the three uh, mini-quests initially. Yep. And I would had had them develop relationships with some of these NPCs um, and tried to, like, sort of have them appeal to some of the characters' traits and whatnot. So they would be like, oh, yeah, this guy, me and him, we're, we're, we're buddies. Like, I had one character, for example, who was, who was really interested in rocks and whatnot. So I used that uh, to say that she was drawn to the rock quarry and one of the uh one of the people there that was uh, involved in running the quarry had uh, taken a, a a liking to this particular player so they shared their enthusiasm of rocks so we had always throw something in there all the time right and then uh you know later on there's there's stuff that comes up with the, with certain npcs that it you know pays off if you know it basically right yeah. however moving from uh the the Tomb of Moving Stones into the next section, I find that it's it's easier to do. It's just because it, because you have such a big revelation, it's easier for you. Because what I what I did was I, I kind of picked the things up or the threads up, saying that this was about a month or so later. That it, now it, to understand that like my characters have sort of made themselves deputies of this town to help the constable. Um, so basically, what we're doing is uh, they're sort of bringing law and order back into the town, right? Everyone had been scared about this plague before and all this crazy stuff happening. So, uh, and then, you know, this big sinkhole opened up. So now it's like, okay, well, over a month goes by. The the town is basically shaking to its core, but it, things are starting to be rebuilt again. The town's coming together to fill up the sinkhole. Some of the characters who were who were up to no good, basically, were are leaving town or some of the people who might have been associated with it were leaving. So I basically let the character say, what, what are you doing in this time? This is sort of the context. What is your character doing to keep the peace since you guys are deputies? So I had everyone kind of decide this is what we're going to do. And for the people that we found that were up to no good, we had this little, uh, uh, like a trial basically. So that's kind of how we made that transition. And then, because I think the next part is, is, is again, it's like, all right, well now here's a new story. That's kind of how it feels. 
Yeah, and I mean, I haven't played it yet with my group, but uh, it very much uh, is the... I think of it more as like the introduction to the meat of the adventure. Right. And I, I actually, so I have a copy of the hardcover, the princess of the apocalypse, which is, I mean, most DMs are just running off the PDF that's been provided for free. But in the actual book, the assumption is characters beginning the adventure are already level three. And that's pretty much where we are now or where I'm going to be starting next week. The stuff we've done up until now is in this hardcover, but it's in the back of the book as like an appendix to say, hey, if your guys are level one, here's some stuff you can run them through to get them the experience they need before they get into the real adventure. So it definitely feels like they're transitioning from, you know, what was basically just a bunch of random encounters. And now it's like, okay, here, now we're done, done, done. Here's the start of the real thing. Yeah, and, and and also with this new stuff, once you get into this next chapter, it's it's very pared down from what's in the book. There's a lot of sections in the PDF that are like, well, here's here's the stuff you need, but if you're not running the full adventure, then change this to this and that. And there's a lot of parts. If you want to know more about this, get the book. And if you're planning on running the adventure, then you can include this bit here. So in like looking through the the same part in the book versus the PDF, there's quite a bit more content that you can take the characters through so yeah i mean if you if you're thinking ahead on that that's something you want to probably consider then if you do want to to play the the adventure beyond just the pdf uh but i think the theme so far has been that there's a lot of sort of assumed that that the the dm is going to make these connections for the players and is going to help them build the story right so you kind of have to be ahead on it to to know what's coming down the pipeline yeah, actually, so that's, that sort of brings up a good point. With the previous season, with Horde of, Horde of the Dragon Queen, the PDF was very literally chapters 1, 2, and 3 of the hardcover. Word for word, cut and paste, and there was actually a little bit of additional detail in the PDF to help DMs sort of uh, manage the time, uh, you know, uh, the pacing a little better. With this season, the PDF is absolutely not just a cut and paste of whole sections, to your point. It's a cut and pay. It's, it's sort of like the basic rules versus the player's handbook. Yeah, it's got the the bare minimum that you need and a little bit of the extra, but there is a lot more going on in the real book. And if you haven't bought the book, but you're on the fence and you're running this, you may want to drop the money and pick it up. Because yeah, I, I was a little lost reading the PDF. Yeah, and then I start went back and I read through the real mod, and I'm like. Uh, it was like a little light bulb went off. I'm like, that makes so much more sense. I had more context. Plus, I gotta be honest, the art in this book is fantastic. Yeah, you're I was right. reading it was on when I was on vacation, and I gotta be honest, I had a few adult beverages in me at the time. But I was like, <laughs> wow, look at these pictures. <laughs> well, you know what? If um, even if you're not planning on running beyond the PDF, if you have access to the book. I would still recommend even looking in the sections that are from the PDF in the book because there is more content in there. And it might, like like Derek said, it might give you more sort of context to what's going on or it might give you just more ideas of, of things you can do because otherwise it's, it is pretty bare minimum. And there is, as the I was season. mentioning before, there's a the section at the back that's designed to bring your level one characters up a couple of levels. There, uh, There's a whole section in there. I think it's called Side Treks and... I was reading through them. They're little one-off, you know, things you could do. If you're running it as encounters, they're little things you could probably do in, like, a, a one-night session. And some of them are actually really neat. They're, they're peripheral to the main story. But if you're looking at the calendar and thinking, there's not enough weeks to run the whole module from where we are now to when we think the new book is coming out, 
if you've got the book, writing some of these little side tricks in between might just be the answer you need to fill the gaps without pushing the story to a point where the characters then can't finish it. Indeed. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed it. It is a lot of work, so you got to make sure, like, I mean, to, to really bring it bring it to life for your players, it, it can be uh, pretty demanding in terms of the work, but uh, I, I've had a lot of fun with it so far, and I think the players were very eager to sort of make it their own, too, so, yeah. That's about it, right? Yeah, no, I got nothing else to say at this point <laughs> until we play some more of it. Yeah, pretty much. So... Um, so when next we meet, we'll, we'll talk about how things are progressing. Um, one of the, one of the questions I find that has been asked a couple of times on the, on the, um, Adventures League Facebook page is who is your favorite NPC and what have you found with your group? Has there been any particular NPCs, either ones from the book or maybe ones you might've introduced that they've seemed to have maybe an affinity towards someone who's been helping them, someone they've been helping, or someone that they've got a real hate on for? Has there been a memorable NPC in your games? Well, um, you mean, like, directly from the from the adventure? Sure. Well, I've, I mean, definitely, if you were talking just NPCs in general, I made a few up to uh, just to sort of accommodate some, some plans so that the characters are going. <laughs> yeah. And those ones have easily... One of them has been sort of driving a lot of the uh, motivation for the characters, it was very early on in the uh, like. I won't go into too much detail. I don't want to be one of those guys that's like, "Oh, my game." This We're is about my game and how yeah. awesome it is. <laughs> but we basically had this. Uh, I just kind of made this character up on, on the spot, um, and it was sort of uh, this character. It was an, an NPC that had, as a result of the player's actions, is very early on when they got to Red Large. This this character had gone missing, and now like everyone in the town is asking, "Oh, where did this guy go?" You know, we we love him so much and he, he's he's gone now so the characters have been freaking out about it but it's it's just based on their actions uh this character has left town they tricked him into going somewhere and now he's gone for a while and you know as it turns out they 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 found uh you know they've done all sort of, i'm trying to remember i can't really i can't even remember his name off the top of my head now but they always bring him up every session he comes up nice so i i had that um you know the girl running the uh, the at the swinging sword in had his name tattooed on the back of her neck, and <laughs> <laughs> she was a previous romantic interest for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was. Um, so we've kind of developed this personality, this backstory for this 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 like minor NPC, uh, and the characters are just. I mean, they've been doing like create or they've been doing like illusion spells to have him, the image of him wandering around in the. In the distance, so the NPC's like, oh, there he is. He's just, uh, yeah, he's been around. Apparently, he's laying low for some reason, but yeah. Nice. We, we, yeah, we've had a lot of fun with that one. For, uh, for my group, so a, a number of my players are playing at two stores, and some of them are having a real hard time differentiating which events and which character personalities are present in which group. And this was a challenge for the first couple of weeks. And so in one of the tables we played at, uh, I think it was the first or second week, the DM who was running it for us, uh, it was just a filler. He was just doing it for one week. But he was really big on creating um, ties to the factions immediately. So as the characters arrived in Red Larch, he basically said, 
you know, who is with which faction, and he had NPCs come up to him and go, oh, you're the member of the Lord's Alliance? Well, we're having a town uh, Lord's Alliance club meeting tonight. You should come. There's going to be free beer. And so he introduced all these things about the factions. Well, with my group, I wanted to have the factions be a lot more subtle. And so, but when these players showed up, they were all like, well, where's my faction guy? And so they've been asking about these faction guys because they're in their mind, they're thinking of that one game where their expectation is, oh, well, the faction guys should be just out in the open. And so I finally introduced an NPC who was uh, a faction member of, uh, of the Emerald Enclave. And he's been uh, kind of a big hit so far with the group. And he's not in the mod. I just made him up off the spur of the moment. And I wasn't originally going to have him be the Emerald Enclave guy, but as he started to interact with them, I thought, oh, this could work. And uh, so it actually turned into a pretty interesting uh, NPC that's been uh, giving them information, but they've learned that it's not always as truthful as they think it is. Indeed, yes. Now, memorable memorable NPC for me, I mean, my experience with Adventures League and stuff like that is not extremely huge. But uh, I've been reading Horde of the Dragon Queen, which actually had a lot of the NPCs in the Tyranny of Dragons Neverwinter thing. So there's this one character in particular. I don't know if you know her. It's Sandisil Morgia. She's a. Uh, it doesn't sound familiar to me. She's a vampire. She's a an oh, elf vampire. Yes. Yes, is she yes. in the actual Horde of the Dragon Queen yeah. module, or is it Rise of Tiamat? Uh, sorry, Rise of Tiamat. She's in the oh. Horde of the Dragon module book, but in in Neverwinter, she's in Rise of Tiamat. Oh, okay. So okay. she's one of the NPCs that hands out quests, right? But every time you bring back, says, "Oh my goodness, you've done quite a, quite a good job at this quest. You know, you'll be a nice addition to my lunch. I mean, uh, and it, you know, it does that kind of stuff, right? Oh my my, you're such a tasty morsel. I mean, uh, a good adventurer. You know, like she makes all these mistakes about how she wants to feed all the time. So it's actually quite funny. So she's memorable. She's the one I remember in Neverwinter. Nice, indeed." Well, I think we've rambled on more than enough this evening. Countdown to Gen Con events. Mm-hmm. Very soon. Five, yeah, four days. Three days. Three days, and then we get to Sunday at noon. Yeah. Depending on when you're listening to this. It's true, but I mean, think about it, too, that Gen Con's coming up faster than normal this year, right? Because it uh, starts in July this time. Hmm. Well, that's going to kind of yeah. suck, because the year after, it'll be just that much further away. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, anything else to add, gents? I think that's it. Fantastic. All right, this concludes another session of Recounting Encounters. Join us next week as we talk further about encounters. Hopefully we can have a little more Neverwinter news, but until then, have a blast. Indeed. You can follow me on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM, and be sure to visit DungeonsMaster.com for original D&D 4th Edition material, including a weekly field report of my D&D encounters experiences. And follow me on Twitter at 20foot and visit 20footradius.blogspot.com for your weekly dose of D&D encounters. That's 20footradius20ftradius.blogspot.com. Until then, have a blast.